0: 185 miles south a hardcore
1: punk rock podcast
2: what's up everyone we're doing another bonus pod i got daniel sant from over over my dead body back on the line and uh basically during this time of the the covid-19 stuff that we're all going through um we are hoping that we can come out of it and basically go back to to normal. But uh in order for that to happen, we gotta think about some of the businesses that are uh possibly suffering right now. And so that's what I wanted to focus this podcast on. You know, everyone that knows that listens to this podcast knows that I'm from Oxnard. Um but I, I've moved down to San Diego almost fourteen years ago. And uh so this is my home now. And uh I wanted to choose a handful of my favorite businesses here in San Diego. And highlight them, and uh, reach out to them, and and see what uh, we can possibly do to support them during these hard times. And I would ask that anyone that listens to this podcast um, in San Diego go out and support these businesses, and uh, and also, no matter where you're listening to this pod, think about your favorite businesses in your hometown. And you know, when we come out of this, we want to like kind of go back to normal. And so think about the ways that you can possibly support them in this time. If you can, um, you know, these are hard times for everyone, but, uh, if you have a little extra means to try to help someone out, it's something to think about doing and it'll make you feel good. Um, I'll bring in Daniel now. Yeah.
1: Just, uh, show your hometown
3: fucking pride. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. Um, no, but f- for real, like this, we all remember how fast this came upon us, like especially up in the Bay. Like it was so fast. Like we have, you know, oh yeah, there's all this, you know, people have been laughing about coronavirus while it was happening in China, like making jokes on TV and all of this stuff. And then literally when a couple of cases started popping up in the U S like governor Newsom, like, and the mayor of SF were just like, close it down. And it happened overnight and all, like, tons of people got displaced, and then it, like, two weeks later, it happened in San Diego, overnight, boom, shelter in place. These people, you know, most of us live paycheck to paycheck because that's the way, you know, if you're not in a certain tax bracket, you're living paycheck to paycheck, and when that faucet gets turned off on you, like, the people who have the ability to help the people that don't, that's what really makes us a community, and I think I think this is awesome that you're shedding light on this. And I think it's awesome to ask everybody to think about their own hometown.
2: Yeah. And so you tie in nicely to this first business that we're going to talk about, Daniel. And uh, you actually hooked me up with the, the gentleman that I interviewed. Um, And so we're going to talk about the whistle stop and this is a bar in South park. And, uh, and you, you actually DJ here. You, uh, in in better times, DJ here every third Friday.
1: Yep. yep. Yeah, I, I, a Britpop night there called Fucking in the Bushes. Um, our good friend Rob does uh, a hip hop night called Pretty Basement. It's a it's a really cool. You know, I'm straight as and I think it's a very cool bar. And then on top of it, they do lots of live shows too. Um, and it's run by just San Diego people and employees, just great San Diego people. And it deserves, you know, they, they've got a little digital tip jar going. And if anyone can, you know, that likes to go out to these nights, you know, throws the employees that have been completely displaced during this, uh, five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. If you can afford it, that would be amazing.
2: Yeah. So, all right. Let's get on to uh, my interview with the Whistle Stop. All right. I have uh, Drew. He's a manager and a bartender at the Whistle Stop, as well as a local musician. And, uh, yeah, you're on Sub Pop, right?
1: Uh, no. Well, I used to play in a band called The Album Leaf, and that band was on Sub Pop. Record. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shout out Sub Pop. Old school. You
2: um, know what I mean? Yeah, man. So <laughs> the the purpose of this pod is we just chose... Uh, some of our favorite local businesses and and wanted to talk about how you're doing during like the COVID-19 shutdown and so forth. But uh, let's back up a little bit and just uh, say what the whistle stop is and uh, what you guys are best known for.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's, that's a good question I think whistle stops known for being a place where you can sort of like, you know, let the freak flag fly a little bit. That's probably the, most universal way to describe it we do quite a bit of things we're on the weekends uh, kind of a raging you know dance culture every Saturday night we have you know kind of a line around the block we've established for a few different nights Booty Basement we're known for that quite a bit around town it's a popular dance night uh, as well as our 80s and 90s night we have so uh, we do kind of a full scale club situation on the Saturday nights but far beyond that we do um, you know we have a, the, one of the city's top literary gatherings also with a line outside. We have a capacity of about 204 and uh, crammed full of people in there to hear a narrative storytelling. Uh, we have a comedy night that's been quite successful. The comics you'll you recognize from, you know, Netflix specials and things like that. Uh, we have a night called Sketch Party where we do, you know, big tar- uh, paper tarps are kind of laid out and people just get together with pens and, gather to you know create new zines and, and start uh, sketching together for for new artworks and you know we do a lot of interesting culture things at the whistle stop and i think that's what we're known for as being a for lack of a better term a, a, a culture bar or a culture hub i guess mm-hmm. so it's not just a place to sort of you know throw down some suds which is kind of you know the business but uh we really go deep into the arts uh, quite a bit and our owner has been into it for a long time and. Uh, I myself have been there for 13 years, so I'm a big fan of the place.
2: Yeah, that rules. Plus, you facilitate uh, Dan Sant coming down once a month.
1: We do that. Yeah, he comes down. He does. Uh, can I, yeah, fucking in the bushes is what he does. Yeah. And uh, he it's his uh, Britpop night. He's been doing it for years and years and years, and uh, it's it's always you know part of the eclectic mix of things that we do. So it's it's a successful night that he runs and super good guy. Yeah, for sure. Um
2: now Drew, you, your story is kind of unique during this time because you actually uh contracted and beat COVID, correct?
1: Yeah. Uh yes. It's quite thankfully, actually. Okay. Can <laughs> yeah. you talk through the process? Like how,
2: how did you how do you think you came yep. in contact with it?
1: I I've you know, I've spent a lot of time racking my mind to try to think where I could have contracted it from. Um and I've come to the sort of conclusion due to the way the world is and everything that we're going through that I kind of feel like in some way, it's some bit of a fool's errand to try to figure out where you got it from. I I mean, in in a sense of the CDC's or, you know, the need to track it down and kind of, uh, you know, source it. I think that's obviously great wisdom, but I, I don't know where it was from. Um, You know, I, I came down with it. The bar had been, Closed on Sunday the 15th. It was the, I believe it was the 15th, it was the governor's order, uh, Governor Newsom's order to shut down all non essential businesses, which Whistle Stop, we are not a food related bar. Uh, we're just, you know, uh, a regular bar, I guess, or whatever. So uh, without food, we weren't allowed to stay open. So we shut then. And it wasn't until a week, full week later, that I started to manifest symptoms. Um, so I could have gotten it, I don't know, you know, maybe from someone on one of those last days, the last week before at the bar, it could have been possible. Yeah. I mean, they say
2: up to 14 days, but they're kind of thinking that generally you get it within five.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, uh, that, that's a, that's what I keep hearing as well too. And I, I've, uh, could have got it from grocery shopping. You know, I went out to do get my supplies just like everybody else and, at the time, I wasn't wearing a mask, um, which I'm really glad that the push has been made for that now. Because in the middle of it, that was one of my main things I recommended: was people should be wearing masks out there. Because I, I probably got it from just being out in public at a store. I think. Yeah. Um, well, we've gotten such we've gotten
2: such poor information from the beginning. In, in the beginning, they were saying not to wear a mask.
1: Yeah, it's insane, you know. And then you look at the curves and the numbers of, of you know, I. God, I was lucky with album Leaf to go to various countries around Asia um, and do tours. And I was always struck by seeing you know, the populace so embrace wearing masks in public. Like it was like in America, you just wouldn't see that. It was, it seems so foreign, right? We, it's, it's strange, but I think that they had some success um, with the spread of it due to the fact that that was already kind of a cultural norm built in some various nations. And I think that, that was definitely a help. And I, we probably could have really used that. Um, so I think that's the silver lining now is that you'll see people maybe rocking that kind of look now more, more common yeah. and it's probably healthier.
2: So, yeah, I, I went to Vaughn's over the weekend and they weren't letting you in to the store if you weren't wearing a mask.
1: See? Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, I really think that, Personally, when I think about it, I think that's probably where I kind of acquired it from. I, I did see a couple of sick people when, in those early days before I came down with things. And maybe, I, I, I just don't know. So I think, the, I think the larger point is all of us being vigilant and kind of in this weird ether world of, you know, no work and for a lot of people, for myself at least, and, uh, you know, just keeping vigilant and staying in as much as you can and making those kind of, you know, marauder runs when you need to go uh, out there, but to be really kind of vigilant about just don't go out every day and and potentially bring it back into your home. So, yeah. So or or take it around to other people and other places too.
2: So no, I know. I mean, that's, that's a terrifying too, right? Is it a terrifying thing as well is that they think that maybe 30% of people are completely asymptomatic. So you could feel great and have it and be spreading it to everyone.
1: Yeah, it's wild, man. It's it certainly my experience was, you know, uh, I've so much of that early colloquial stuff was. oh, It's just like the flu, right? You know, and, and it's it's really not just like the flu. So.
2: Okay. so, let's let's jump into that. So, what what symptoms did you start feeling?
1: Uh, I, I had I had it start with the kind of you know uh, losing my my taste sense of smell and taste. I was just making dinner, making some soup on a Sunday night, and Literally in the middle of it, it was like it was shrinking away and then it was just gone. I couldn't smell anything and it seemed odd. I had never heard about that, so I looked online for, you know, Googled in coronavirus and taste of, loss of taste, smell, and uh, there had just been some articles that had been coming out within the last, within like 48 hours before that uh, on New York Times, Time Magazine was reporting on it. This was a new symptom that people were reporting on. So, yeah, that, that was how it was for me. And I lost it then. The next day I had a fever. Uh, it stayed around between, you know, 100 to 102.5 was the highest I measured it. Um, and that stayed for nine days. Uh, and I had that. I had aches. You know, I I tried to, like, do some push-ups and try to lean into the unemployment, you know, get the sure. figure up or something like that and keep the health up. And uh, I this on day when I got up or, and Tuesday too, I was like, just barely getting out of bed, like rocked. I thought it was just from that still, you know, from working out cause you know, maybe I'm just a rookie. Sure. And so, uh, but it turns out that that was, you know, the body's maybe some of that, but really I was getting the aches. Um, I started to, on Wednesday I started feeling, enough of the symptoms and things and I was feeling really like super lethargic getting really really drained really easily and I was starting to like kind of like lose some focus and thoughts when I was putting thoughts together and I guess that's kind of a common thing for me but it seemed like more than normal and uh, called my doctor Wednesday and they kind of pushed me through from a triage nurse on the phone to uh, another person to the doctor and What they told me then was that they thought that I had had a pretty good shot at having this, but there wasn't really testing. And so I had to just sort of take Tylenol, sleep, try to get the fever down, and wait it out and call if I can't breathe, basically was how they started that process. Yeah, I I mean, that's what's really crazy is that, how do I say it? Due to the, I understand it in a way which is horrifying to say the volume of it is so vast that I don't they, and and the testing is so nil you know yeah. that that that's really kind of the best they can do right now or at least it was back when I first got it which is now you know that was the 25th that I got 26 the morning of the 26th of March was when I got my test um, so anyway it's somehow they changed their mind and called me Thursday. They sent me uh, a message saying, Hey, we think you should come in and test actually. So they went me into this, uh, it was at Grossmont hospital, sharp, sharp Grossmont hospital here in San Diego and in, in La Mesa. It's where I was born actually. And they kind of called me and they had this whole thing where you go in and it's like a drive up or drive through clinic. And I <clears throat> pulled my car in, I had to call ahead and like, they had to meet me with my make and model of my card and all that, because they didn't want to, excuse <clears throat> they didn't want to, uh, um, just have me roll up and, you know, potentially spread contagion around. So, uh, so they pull up, they come up, they, you know, gave me a mask and they told me to pull into a stall. It was like the doctor's parking, which I thought that's rich, you know, here's the doctor's parking. They had to give it up, but it, uh, it's, uh, Nice to see it, that that was the spot that they did it at, actually, kind a strange irony. Um, and so you, man. they were all really cool. Um, the guy was gave me a one swab for a flu just to see. They wanted to check to see if I just had the flu first. And that result was like 15 minutes or so or an hour for me. And if I tested negative on the flu, it was likely that I had COVID. And so they gave me the flu swab and the COVID swab, which was Pretty brutal, i got to be honest with you. Um, I wasn't expecting it, but it was a long you know, swab that they put through your nostril and they thread it down to kind of the back of your throat and back. Oh, so wow. that's a little distance to go through. And I wasn't expecting it, which was probably better. And now, unfortunately, I probably freaked out listeners about that. But um, anyway, but it has to be done, you know. And uh, they did it, and the test came back about a day and a half later for me. Um, and it was positive. So a little side note on that too was I told Daniel this. Um, he was doing a, a fundraiser for Whistle Stop, um, and it was a live DJ set and for, for fucking the Bushes. And uh, when he did it, it was, it was really awesome to watch because everyone kind of rallied around it. There's all these friends I saw online, you know, blowing it up with the hearts and stuff on Instagram live and it was just a really fun time and and the music was great. And it was like this little community. And for me, what I was doing during that time was I hadn't got my results back yet, but I was in my room cleaning (laughs) with headphones on, listening to the whole uh, DJ set he was doing while I was sanitizing and cleaning down and setting up my quarantine room. Um, And so I got the call right after I had this great shot of like, the culture and community, you know, and then right as soon as that was done, I got a phone call from the doctor saying that I had tested positive. Um, so it was interesting, a little connection there between this, you know, your, the connection of you knowing Daniel um, and and all that, that means what the whistle stop was. That was my last moment of community I kind of had for a while that was really like positive And I think that kind of helped me guide through into the coming phase of, what became my quarantine for the next nine days? So,
2: okay, so you're you, this is Friday, so you're it's on your sixth day that you test positive.
1: That's right. So, I had yeah. symptoms start on the Sunday mm-hmm. and, and I didn't get the test until Thursday. And then I call. called Wednesday and then I got tested Thursday. And then I did get it, yeah, Thursday, Friday, uh, afternoon, evening, I got the phone call.
2: Okay. So. And then, so what happens from there? So, now you quarantine.
1: Yeah, and I was already – once I got the test, I, I was already in, like, quarantine at that point just to, just to wait it out because that's the safe thing to do. Mm-hmm. And turns out that it was correct to do that. Um, and so, yeah, I uh, – And Drew, just to jump
2: in real quick, um, yeah. if it's not too personal, what's your living situation? Do you live with other people or do you live alone?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm married, and my wife uh, was – she's a student uh, who's actually – supposed to be graduate graduating actually uh in a, in a couple in a month or two here and um she's been studying at home the whole time so she's already kind of in a weird way quarantined inside the house anyway because she just studies all the time and to the good news on that is that you know she's shown no signs of illness from this um so she's been good in the whole situation obviously for people you know everyone's main concern is their partner or significant other or family or someone they live with like they don't no one wants to pass it on to anyone um so i'm fortunate also that she has not seemed to show any kind of symptoms we're still i guess technically to be really safest who probably has another week or a little less than a week to see if she's you know uh developed symptoms but no so that's all good cool so uh, yeah so she kind of you know was sort of a prison system i suppose in a way where it's just for like you know knock on the door here's your rations (laughs) walk away open the door take it in you know with my mask so i wasn't spreading anything into the home um you know i have i have a cat who's a real dictator and he's a always scratching the door wants to spend time with me and i had to you know tell him to go away for nine days and that didn't go so well (laughs) um but yeah man um that's what i was lucky enough to have a bedroom we have a guest room actually and i was lucky enough to, that has a bathroom that's attached to it so yeah. i was in a very ideal situation where i really did lock off things
2: yeah, uh, it would be, it would be night- a nightmare to have a partner and just one bathroom to think about being that sick and having to use the restroom yeah. and then having to completely sanitize it after for someone
1: yes uh, i really do think that would be a nightmare yes yeah, yes, I, so, uh, I agree.
2: What was what was the peak of you feeling terrible?
1: Oh, man. Yeah, it's rough. That was a rough time. It was right around, um, I guess. So let me see. It's Friday. I guess it was around, um, I, I should probably know off the top of my head. I think it was around Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, around that window. That's when the breathing kind of got difficult to do. Uh, and that's really the Friday shit. Um it it when you're I've tried to say that you know you've been sick before everyone's been sick with the flu, you know, and so you know sort of like this linear progression of symptoms and you know it does this and this and this and the COVID is sort of like a like a lack of a better term, like an iPod on shuffle or something. It's the symptoms go in and out, they come and go and when I got mine developed on the breathing front, some people get that right up front. That's the first, one of the first thing that happens. They just get you know they can't breathe. But when you have the flu or any kind of phlegm pr- pr- uh, promoting sort of illness, you know it's kind of this uh, gross you know shit that you ex- get out of you, and, and 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 you know what that looks like and right and stuff. But, but y- I didn't have any way to get it out. It wasn't something that was wet and loose and, you know, like phlegm and shit that you wouldn't hack up. It was in me, in my head, but it was like solidifying. And that's the thing about this is that with COVID-19, it, that's, it's kind of, that's the killer is if you're producing mucus, your body is, it's really the worst thing because the COVID hardens it, and that blocks your air passageways, which is why everyone's on the <clears throat> ventilators um, when they get it so bad. Uh, is to try to like get through that blockage because it's seizing up in that way. Um, so I had that happen a couple times, and I had some. I had a friend. Uh, her name was Casey. She was the first person I knew who got this, and she was a good guide for me in a lot of ways to help with, you know, some thoughts. So she had suggested like take a steam shower, you know, uh hot liquids are a must. Um lemon and anything you can that would just break down phlegm and mucus, like get that going. Uh and sing as well. So I would sing Chet Baker songs is what I would sing in the shower and just try to like sing it through and uh get that away. And that was the most terrifying part because it never did develop for me. I was incredibly lucky that it never developed to the point where I had to go to the hospital. But if I would have, that would have been the time. And when you're in it, you don't know what's coming next. And I think especially with the lack of information that's been out there and sort of like a lack of people to sort of chart the way on what this process can look like. It's been especially tough, uh, in that way, I think, for people to know what to expect or not. So I was literally just blind going, I don't know, maybe this means tomorrow I'm going to have to go in the hospital. And one day, um, one of the only days that I've ordered some food and stuff, a, a pizza place in town that, you know, I was feeling enough to eat, good enough to eat, so I thought, let's order a pizza, and I ate this pizza, which was delicious, but it had the cheese in it, right? And so because of that, it created this a swell of mucus formation pretty, pretty quick. And that really started blocking up my passageways, just eating the food and doing that. And that, that really terrified me. I, I knew immediately I'd made a huge mistake. So, you know, that, I learned that lesson. So I cut dairy out entirely at that point as well, which, you know, was a good idea. Um, and yeah, man. So that's, that was the most terrifying stuff. The breathing part is the thing you can, you can feel disoriented and you can feel like shit. You can have fever dreams. You could, all those things are things you can feel and process, but the breathing is the terrifying shit, so.
2: Yeah. And when when do you start uh, just kind of feeling like you're on the mend?
1: I, so then by Friday, I was feeling pretty good. I think on, I think it was on Thursday. I think it was started on Wednesday later on Wednesday, that my fever started to go down. And that's the thing, one of the, one of the CDC's guidelines is, you know, you're, it's basically like a three days of no fever window. Um, that that's how you know, without taking Tylenol, let's say, so your fever starts going down, you stop taking Tylenol. If your fever can stay down for three days, that's a really good sign that you're, that you're beating the thing and that you're getting through to the other side. So with that information, I got called by a County of health uh, official and they cleared me for a quarantine release date of the 4th of April, actually, which was, you know, so I started feeling better on Thursday that was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday was when I was cleared to be out at least in my home. So yeah, I was out on April 4th and, Feeling considerably better on that Saturday, I felt like, man, I feel like I just didn't have anything go on. Like I was no symptoms. I felt great. And so it was pretty on the point, um, according to the CDC guidelines of where I felt along with what they say you should feel. So that was an awesome feeling, man. So I feel like yeah. I had actually made it to the other side of it. Um, yeah, terrifying. and you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, anecdotes out there. There's, I've heard people say that they, had a second wave of it That there's like the second bout um but i haven't had anything like that now and it's been you know i guess uh, a full week for me uh, out so i've been at the house and enjoying being alive dude yeah <laughs> really, that rules so.
2: that rules i know yeah. it's, it's it's unfortunate <laughs> that that there is kind of that rumor out there that uh there's a second strain or you could possibly get it again because you deserve to walk around and feel like Superman after beating it, right?
1: Well, yeah, no, I mean, there's 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 uh, the antibodies and stuff, and I've been doing a bunch of research on donations, and I mean that's that's an interesting, that's a whole interesting process as well, too, dude. That's uh, I'm learning a lot about, and you know, I still don't qualify to give blood for one more week um, due to how my bo- how <clears throat> people's bodies are responsive to, I guess it's the creation of antibodies start becoming peak after two weeks. And so they don't want anyone to give donations until that point. Um, But I had the real tragic situation already of someone who had heard my story and someone reached out to me to try to donate um, to someone whose husband was 35 on critical condition on, on, you know, it's in, in critical condition and they're looking dress really for a donor and I didn't qualify and I couldn't help. And it was a really like a, just one more sobering reminder of this whole situation. You know, I, I'm out, you know, I'm like out quote unquote out, you know, and I'm well feeling and it seems like I go back to somewhat of a normal life in this weird time. And I start filling out unemployment paperwork and making sure this bill's paid and whatever and going through the normal stuff and dishes and the whole nine, a domestic life. Mm -hmm. And then I get this phone call from someone who's looking for me to be a donor right away and I can't do it. And she's looking for someone, I think some people feel like I was the first, one of the people what they would think of the first wave of people like oh shit we know someone now who's got this it's not just an abstract right sure um but the thing is i uh wasn't even the first wave there were people before me that that i got this from someone right and those people who got it before they don't have as many tests and verifications for them being sick So the people who are in critical condition now are looking for donors from that time window, and there's so few people. So it's really tough right now because people who are in critical can't find donors um, because there wasn't enough documentation. And even one more week, man, even one more week of this would have saved. I, I heard something that the World Health Organization, if they hadn't kicked around for a week on this, they would have stopped 95% of cases, 95% one week. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's staggering to, to, it really it The whole thing is staggering in every single way. And, uh, you know, to see my, you know, my friends be out of work, uh, family to me and stuff. And it's just crazy, crazy times, man. And, um, it, it anyway, it hits home to me to hear, from someone who was so in need and not be able to help. And it really motivated me now to, I started filling out paperwork ahead of time to Red Cross and other places um, so I can get ready to donate as soon as I can and uh, help in that way. But even then there's only so much blood and plasma you're legally allowed to donate in a certain amount of time. And there's still regulations of doctors approval and all this stuff. So. It's a complicated time and I'm afraid of the second, this new surge of people now or sort of peaking, looking for a lot of help for, and uh, I just hope that, you know, I'm trying to keep in touch with people I know who had it so that they're all kind of prepared to be like, yeah, you got to saddle up and get that needle going <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to get the transfusions because that's what everyone who's had it has to sort of help. It really, it feels like a war effort, man. For me, it does. So
2: well I think you have a crazy. great I think you have a great mentality on it all. Um and it's been a pleasure having you well not a pleasure, but I think it's been very informative having you take us through it. Because yeah, yeah. Like, like you said, you know, even a couple of weeks ago everything was in the abstract and you're getting so much poor information and there's been really no um leadership from the top of the federal government. You know, it's been kind of all dished out to states yeah. which are all treating things Differently and and like you said, this is kind of a wartime effort. It needs to come from the top. Like you know, now they're maybe talking about that there's enough testing, but they don't have enough swabs. You know, it's like how, yeah, it's how the fuck can we not make enough swabs? You know,
1: yes, it, it's crazy. It, it really is insane. So, so like, I'm sure there's some answer to that, but it just doesn't seem like a good enough answer.
2: Well, the terrifying <laughs> so, thing is, you know, this yeah. this is not a political podcast, but I, I right. do worry that that there's that there's delays because of grifting, you know, you, you have but, like a Supreme grifter as the president of the United States. And, and I, I just, I worry about that. I hope that, I hope that that's just bullshit in my head, but, uh, I worry, I, I worry I, about people trying to profit off this.
1: I I also am super terrified about that. And I, it's crazy to think that people, you know, I mean, just the fact alone, that Trump himself said oh kids can go to school kids can go to school like yeah. that that alone killed people that saying that you know like just just that and that's just one thing that's been said you know on a crazy weird dais every day and and, and it's uh, yeah I mean uh, well I hate the dude myself so I just think I just think it's terrible that this is the person that we have to lead this effort. And, and and I guess this is kind of why I've felt very personally motivated myself to try to share, and I try to document my experience like on my Facebook page and, and all that, like as I was going through it, because there's no information out there, and there's oh. no leaders out there who are doing this, and somebody has to, I mean, I'm not special, I just, but someone has to say something, at least, to say this is what's going on, because, you know, when you look on the news and you see this, this dude uh, the, who's supposed to be your guide, you know, even as imper- a perfect, let's just say, he, he he, with all of the imperfections that I think of Trump on a normal day-by-day basis, that I could just go, man, every single day, this is crazy. It's, let's just say that was a side and he was still, he still would need to be in this moment right now, the voice to right get people together and unified like you would have to like put it aside and go well i fucking hate this guy but at least he's the guy who's saying something about it so i i'll listen up and see what's going on and then it's just a bunch of gobbledygook coming out of the dude's mouth every single day can't even handle that so it's it's terrifying and
2: it's a a complete lack of empathy
1: complete lack of empathy
2: yes so which which is like (laughs) I don't know. It's, it's literally the worst personality trait you could have, especially at yep. a time like this, when people are suffering and dying to be like bragging about other issues is like, I can't imagine how I'd feel if I had a loved one die from this, you know, and you see someone bragging yep. about ratings or some bullshit.
1: I, you know, that's, that's on him, man. Uh, I hope that the American public doesn't forget that. that. That's all I can say. It's like he, he, I, yeah, yeah.
2: They're, they're, it up. I know. <laughs> what are you gonna do? So anyway, um, how can how can people out there support uh the Whistle Stop in this time when it's uh, currently shut down? You have a, yeah, a virtual well, tip jar and so forth.
1: Yeah, we do. Yeah, you know, for for the staff of of, of the Whistle Stop, I set up like um, early on. I set up a like a virtual tip jar. Um, we have our Whistle Stop ha- our handle on Instagram for Whistle Stop is Whistle Stop Bar. And, uh, yeah, so you can find it there. And I think in our bio, there's the link is right there to to donate. You know, there's some set amounts that are there, just, you know, some kind little amount to donate to if you you have a little extra change. Uh, And then if you want to donate more, you can certainly donate more, too. But, yeah, this is all going to the staff um, and, you know, direct to them. So we're uh, kind of going to hopefully be distributing some of that out there. We've gotten some and I, I wish it was more. I certainly realize that everyone is strapped uh, right now. Um, It's a tough time out there for everyone. So I I, I understand that not everyone's able to donate, but if someone has the the little bit of extra and thinks about the whistle stop and remembers good times that they've had there, you know, a lot of those good times come from a really incredible staff that we've, you know, kind of selected over a long time to, to be, open, inclusive, to be caring, to be kind and, you know, offer good service and be interesting and creative. And, you know, I think that's something that I think a lot of people are missing right now. And so I hope that, you know, if people do have the means to donate, they'd consider donating that way.
2: Okay. So whistle stop bar and that's on Instagram. So,
1: yep. And I guess, I think you could probably search online for the Facebook as well too, and probably have something uh, we do, I think, have the link up there as well, too. Cool. So people get out there and, and
2: take care of business. Um, yeah, it is uh, a, it is a special bar in San Diego, and, and like you talked about, it's it's more than just um, you know drinking drinks so forth. It's yeah. a a cultural hub. So
1: good, okay. good caring people. We have a, a amazing cli- you know clientele or whatever. The people come in and and are patrons. It's just I've watched so many. Uh, I've watched like, you know, movements and creative uh, endeavors be born there for years. And it's such a, it's such an honor to be a part of that. And it's really sad to see, you know, my coworkers uh, in the middle of all this be away from it. And I think everyone would really want to.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: You got it, man. I, I appreciate, you know, taking the, Taking my little words on it, I really hope that uh, it matters to someone. So, all right, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Bye bye.
2: All right, that was cool. So everyone support the whistle stop. Um, next up, probably probably the the one spot that if it closed in San Diego, I might cry. And uh, that's Pokies, and uh, I got so many good memories of going to Pokies, and it's probably my favorite restaurant in San Diego. And it's somewhere that, you know, when I met Daniel the first time in the late 90s and, you know, met Don and uh, all the guys that, that really, that welcomed us to San Diego, like this is where we would always go. And so it has, uh, <clears throat> you know how like food can, it can remind you of a place, it can give you a feeling. Um, Pokey's is not only like my favorite restaurant, but it's also like a place that gives me a feeling of like making lifelong lasting friendships. And uh, so every time I go there, I remember like these are, you know, these are the first times that I met Daniel and Don, and these are people that have been friends my entire life now. So, uh, so Poki's is very important to me. Daniel?
1: Yeah. Pokies is, is if you're going to name one landmark of San Diego that is important to the punk and hard commu- hardcore community that is not the Jake FA, it's Pokies. Um, Pokies is where Everyone goes to socialize You know Like you come into town Like a band Is coming from Boston Right You take them to Pokies That comes down From Oxford to take them to Pokies Like It's our Place It's By punks For punks But Obviously they also serve The general community as well It's a huge Pillar Amongst Subculture Within San Diego And I mean It I've been going there since 1994 and I need it in my life always.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's not only for punks because I bring my mom there.
1: So no, that's uh, what I'm saying. Yeah. They, yeah. It it, it has a special place within the punk community, but they serve everyone the same way. Yes, you know, yes. It, you know, it, it's rad that they're always hiring people from, you know, underground hip hop, like punk whatever you know it has a really family and subculture vibe there but it's also just the best food in fd tofu fajitas forever
2: yeah dude all day long all right uh let's get on to the pokies interview all right on the line i got uh carlos from pokies he's one of the brothers and uh family business been around here in san diego for over 20 years now right carlos yeah, we opened, uh, first opened March 1994. Yeah, and uh, it's it's one of the best restaurants here in San Diego. And uh, ah, one of the greatest things about it is, like, it's my favorite spot for for vegan vegetarian food. But it's also, like, you know, there's a lot of people out there that uh, they're not down with that. And, like, you know, I got a lot of, uh, like, meat and cheese friends, and I can still bring them. Like, they can come get a carne asada quesadilla or whatever. And, and so, basically, you can bring anyone to the restaurant and be happy. and uh,
0: Yeah, that's basically our motto, man. Since back in the day, we try to, like, you know, bring the camaraderie, friends, everybody. We love that. Like, we would like to say, like, Kokies is a place where friends can meet and eat, you know? Yeah. Like, everyone hangs out here. You know, friends come here. They hang out. They wait for their buddies to come in. It's, it's cool, man. We're, we're fine with
4: it.
2: Yeah, I've, I've been coming down since, even when I used to live in Oxnard, we would always come down and meet up with, like, the the hardcore kids down here and, and go eat at either pokies or a little later also also, also sips. So, because uh, they were, like, the two vegetarian spots other than Mandarin Dynasty.
0: But uh, Yeah, at the time, there's so many now. There's so many different vegan options now. It's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, super cool. But we know what the best is. The best is pokies. So, uh, yeah, that's what's up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, so... How has uh, the COVID-19 affected the business? Uh,
0: A lot, man. It's affected us pretty bad. We had to, like, kind of let go. Luckily for us, we're, like, mostly a family-owned and operated business. So we're still here. But a lot of our, like, friends that we've been friends since, like, life, they're basically family, too, you know. Like, we had to tell them, hey, you're going to have to take a, a little break. You know, right now we're trying to file for whatever loans we can get to bring them back. You know what I mean? We can't let our employees just be out there with, you know, we, you know, gave them all a little bonus here, something to hold you guys down with. And, you know, bam, like we're just here, just, you know, yeah, trying to stay afloat, brother, just opening up. We're open for takeout. We got postmates. If you guys need delivery, we do that. We also have like merch. We have shirts and jackets. You know, you can come by, cop one. Yeah. We don't have a web store yet. We're still in the in the works of making that happen.
2: Now but you got the Instagram and the Instagram is active. You got you got someone posting delicious looking like, food every day.
0: Yeah, we try. I'm trying to stay active on that. you know, trying to keep keep it pushing. We're working on new op new vegan options every day. We're just trying to like, you know, set the bar basically.
2: Yeah. What's the what's the uh, Instagram handle?
0: Um, it's at Pokey's Mexican restaurant SD.
2: Yeah. So everyone check that out. And, uh, and then also, why don't you drop the phone number as well, Carlos?
0: Okay. 619-702-7160.
2: And that's the best way if they want to order takeout or they can go to. Yeah. Order takeout or you can hit up the Postmates app. All right, cool. And what do you recommend? What's, what's the best dish on the, on the menu?
0: Oh man. If, If you're really hungry, if you're really hungry or if you're trying to feed, more than one person, the fajitas is the way to go. Tofu fajitas are always a win for me. That's why. Um, the tofu it. potato mushroom burrito is always always good. It's really filling. And if you want something like hearty, I would go with the vegan chorizo breakfast, man. That's like the best. And we serve breakfast all day. So, you know, it's, our menu's open all day. Like quarter, whatever If it's on there, we got it. And we also have a lot of off-menu items too, like the the Beyond Burger. We also have a, a vegan Cali burrito now. We have like vegan cali fries. Like we're we're trying to step it up and make more stuff as well. You know, more vegan options the better.
2: Cool. What about what about from the meat eaters? I already dropped it. Uh my friend Greg what was it for- he, he was uh he said the the carne asada quesadilla was the greatest thing he ever had. But what what Yeah,
0: you know what? We have people that come in for now. We started uh it's not it's I've been on the menu now for quite some bit time now, but it's called the heart attack burrito. People like all the construction workers that are around here. That's what they come and get. <laughs> they all want that. Yeah. They want that or the shrimp Diablo burrito, which is like a spicy shrimp burrito. Like know. personally, me, I stick to the vegan and the vegetarian options. But I don't eat meat.
2: Yeah, me as well. But uh, it's it's always nice to like not have someone excluded, you know, because. Some, some no yeah are, never yeah sometimes the first time that someone goes out for vegan food it can be a little funky if they never had it before and uh, it, it okay. could be
0: man it could be there's there's a lot of places that you know they they go all out and they try like they do like the super fancy stuff you know what I mean and personally me i'm I'm I want to say I'm kind of like a plain jane I like I like rice and being simple yeah I'm very simple like that'll make my day yeah you know?
2: yeah hey is a uh, uh You know, like, the the cabbage, like, the slaw that comes on the side of a lot of the stuff? Yeah. Is that, like, an old family recipe that's been around forever? It is. It's actually one of the things that our
0: father taught us how to make before he, like, passed on. Yeah. And then, like, him and then his younger brother named Salvador came into the picture as well, and he taught us a lot of stuff, too, like, on, like, the mahi-mahi and the shrimp stuff. He put us up on game with that stuff. Because before, we didn't sell that stuff back, like, I want to say, like, 17 years ago maybe we
2: didn't sell that you know yeah yeah it's cool that's uh, something i always wondered about but uh carlos you hang in there man we're all we're all pulling for our favorite local businesses a uh, hey
0: thank it's, it's you a, man thank you job. and yeah for sure and i just want to give a shout out to the mnpk boys you know what i mean the whole monday night pokies crew they said this they what up shout out modern mike yes sir modern mike yeah man with the side of fries Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, man. no fresh for my
5: boy. <laughs> hey, right.
0: thanks a lot, man. Have fun talking right. with you, brother. You guys have a good week. All right, bye bye.
2: All right, peace. All right, everyone, support Pokeys. Uh, next up, we got Sips, and uh, again, this is like a spot that I started going to. I in in this interview, I think I say that been going there since the late '90s, but I got corrected, and I think that they opened in '01. So. I guess I've been going there since the early two thousands. And again, um, you know, around the year 2000, 2001, there wasn't as many vegan and vegetarian restaurants as there are now. And even in a bigger city like San Diego. So you can imagine like coming down from Oxnard and it's like, this is fucking heaven. I can eat orange chicken again. Like what the fuck? Like, this is a flavor I haven't eaten since I like went vegetarian. You know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, sips is totally rad. Um, there's a location, the one by me in Claremont, and then there's also one in North Park now. Um, and yeah, totally delicious, uh, vegan Asian food.
1: Yeah. Sips was a game changer too, because, you know, lots of the vegetarian, um, Chinese food or Asian fusion food around at the time would be like, you know, very tofu based or whatever. And, you know, except for Mandarin dynasty. Sips like came boom here's your vegetarian meat that's going to be the star of the show on the dishes and they are so delicious and yeah when sips came around in like 2000 2001 it was like okay is it weird that i've been to this place four times this week yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) i know you're like shy so you like do a couple takeouts you know like yeah uh, but yeah (laughs) yeah so anyway i'm like i need that cashew chicken dude i need that kung pao What's up? Um, but yeah, let's hit it. This is the, uh, the interview with Sips. All right. We have Sylvia. Uh, she is the owner and the, the proprietor of Sips, which is uh, one of the best vegan restaurants here in San Diego. Uh, they specialize, correct me if I'm wrong, but like mostly like vegan Asian fusion.
6: Correct. Yes. Uh, we, we do a lot of just all different kind of Asian style. Thai, Japanese,
2: Vietnamese, Chinese. Yeah, and it's it's delicious. The the mock chicken is is out of this world, and it it goes all across the spectrum, right? Because like, as a vegetarian, uh, there's just certain flavors that you can't get, like like for instance, sweet and sour. You know, you can't go to a Chinese restaurant and get like sweet and sour bean curd and have it like satisfy what you used to get when you could get chicken. But like, right, right. But it sips like. The the mock chicken, it, like, takes on everything so perfect. Like, the I love the orange uh, chicken, and then I love, like, how you guys just do, like, the barbecue chicken. Oh, it's
6: delicious. Mm-hmm. The appetizer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Hey, um so we've been around, gosh, almost 20 years. Yeah. We're probably one of the very few vegetarian uh, restaurants that actually survive all these years, <laughs> you know. But, but my concept is, you know, for the food, it doesn't matter if it's vegetarian or meat it needs food needs to taste good so that's, that's our whole concept is to make you know provide like an alternative to meat eating for vegetarians that you know that crave what they grew up eating like corn chicken or curry or you know sweet and sour that kind of dishes and just make an image and make it taste you know imitate the taste so that you don't miss what you grew up eating but still be able to you know live your lifestyle choose of choice um, really, now we've evolved and we're really vegan. Uh, we have one dish, like a walnut shrimp that is made with many, but we also give you an option to make it vegan. Um, so, you, we use veganese as an option as well. But, really, all the other dishes, if you're vegan, you can pretty much order everything off our menu. Um, we, we do a lot of vegan desserts as well. <laughs> So we've been around a while.
2: Yeah, and the, the menu is huge, though. So to just have a single dish where you say, like, "Oh, we have one dish that uh, isn't vegan," like that's okay.
6: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I know. I'm like, you know, we, we are getting ready to open a um, uh, in La Jolla. I don't know if you heard. No, actually, this this coming Friday, we're just gonna quietly just open, okay. and you know, so people can um, you know consider the circumstances and the craziness going on right now. We kept holding off but um a lot of people waiting for us and it just makes it a lot easier for the community to be able to you know get our food and not have to drive across town sure so we're gonna go ahead and open yeah
2: (laughs) yeah yeah because how how did uh i mean the the podcast this one is about the covid19 and how it's affected my favorite businesses in san diego um how like how did that affect you like it just got rolled out and you're like oh my god we just have to not be open today
6: yeah. I mean, literally, I have like half a day of almost like a rumor, like starting tomorrow that you can't do any dining. It's, I have to say, you know, being self-employed in the last 20 years, it's the hardest thing that ever hit us because, you know, my staff is like, you know, what do you do? What do you say? It's like, you know, it's like my kids. And all of a sudden you have to say, Oh, I'm sorry. I have no work. Well, you can't come in. There's no more work. Right. You know, and then a lot of them are young and they're not, you know, people, they you don't know, save up and it's hard because San Diego is so expensive to live to. Yeah. Right. And all of a sudden now you're like, hey, dude, I don't have a job for you and I can't afford to pay you. So that's the hardest part. Of course. You know, but, um, but you know, the, the, the super cool thing is we have so far have gotten a lot, a lot of support mm-hmm. um, from, from you know, vegetarian and vegan and just really the San Diego community. Um, you know ourselves is not bad. Um, it's just just really hard when I look at my dining space and it's all empty. no one's here and you know I have to cut sixty percent of my staff.
5: Right.
6: you know so that's uh, it's really hard. Um, but you know we're we're optimistic you know we're, we're here and a lot of people come in um, they make us so happy because you know what? I used to, when I work at this, I always ask people when I'm bringing up, hey, how was everything? People always said, oh, it's amazing as always. And I I always tell my friends, if you're going to open any restaurant, open a vegan restaurant because you know what? The community support you and you can, you know, provide good food and, you know, be able to share with, get people close to the non-meat dishes that it tastes good. So now when people come in, it's, you know, it's turning around where people are asking us. Hey, how's it going, guys? You know, we're so thankful that you're you're, you're around and that we can provide good food so we can have places to, you know, be able to bring food into our house. And, um, you know, people really, are so thankful for us being here. And so for us, you know, as sad and as stressed as we are, we're, we we're feel a lot of love for sure. I can tell you that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you have been around for so long. I mean, I can, I can remember coming down, to San Diego in the nineties, and and the places that we would go would either be Sips or Mandarin Dynasty or Pokies, and uh, <laughs>
6: you
2: know, two two of the two of the three are left.
6: But yeah, yeah. we've been been around almost twenty years. We're going on our nineteen years this year.
2: Yeah, so, so cool. <laughs>
6: Summer nineteen. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But but people can um, still
2: consider they can still uh, continue to support you by Are you doing? Are you doing takeout and delivery?
6: We are uh, for us. You know, we would love for people to just give us a call. You know, give it. You know, if you want us to take your credit card over the phone so that we already ready and you just come in to sign, that would be ideal. Um, but we are also on delivery for we use um, Uber Eats and Grubhub and DoorDash. Mm-hmm. So Those are the three most um, popular delivery service, mm-hmm. and we work pretty closely with them. You know, we ask when they come in. To honor, you know, our safety and, you know, cleanliness and disinfect, you know, everything and try not to touch stuff. And, you know, so we we, we, we definitely do delivery, but stuff would be awesome if anyone here is. <laughs> yeah. Come on in. Yeah. Give us a call.
2: Yeah. And I've done the delivery several times since uh, this shutdown and, and it's been completely delicious just being delivered. So everyone should do Thank that you. Or, or, or go get or go get takeout. Um, yeah, it's awesome.
6: Thank you. You know what we probably, um, we have had a few requests but we, um, you know, I don't know if, uh, if you're on Instagram, but if you do follow us, um, a tip on Instagram, but okay. so we may roll out where we would offer the, you know, the vegetarian vegan meat alternative, mm-hmm. like the chicken, the shrimp. And I know that one customer last week had bought our, you know, uh, shrimp. Shrimp appetizer, mm-hmm. and she went home and made it into a sushi roll because currently we do not offer sushi uh, yeah. at the moment because of the short staff.
5: Sure.
6: So we, you know, we may just start rolling that out. I'm trying to figure out with help from my customer and other friends in the industry of how mm-hmm. to do like grocery, but we would be specifically more of offering the, you know, the vegan uh, protein.
2: Yeah. Well, or- originally you, you have the store in Poway that had a little bit of that.
6: Right. We did, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, we did. We had a little freezer where we put like uh, bags of of uh, small bags of the different meat yeah. uh, in the in the freezer. Mm-hmm. That's that's true. We could, yeah, we could easily do that because you know the hardest part of doing that is, because my mom and pop, that's we right. don't know how to make it look really pretty, sure. like you know what people are used to in the yeah. store, With a really pretty packaging. Yeah. So what we did was we just put them like a little ziploc bag, you know, like you can get it in half a pound or four ounces or something that you want to make, you know, just make some food at home for your family. Mm -hmm. So we need to do that again. That's Sure. We did do that. We could pull it off.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I I, I believe in you. (laughs) The last thing that I think we should end on is, I think I saw on your Instagram that you were, were you donating food to like some of the nurses in uh, the nearby hospitals?
6: Yes, uh, we did. Um, We reached out to Sharp um, Hospital. And uh, specifically, some of the nurses come in to sit because they're vegetarian. And so um, we had a contact there and uh, made a pledge and just offer 20 meals a day for seven days straight um, to sharp uh, emergency rooms. because some of the staff there definitely worked so hard that you know they weren't able to come out for lunch and had other people pick up food. So we did that, and it went really well. And people were so thankful and uh, you know we're we super happy that we're able to do that. We're happy to do it again. You know, if there's a, a team, a family team that'd love for us to donate, if they just message us on Instagram, I'll be happy to make arrangements. And if someone can pick it up, because we don't have the capability to deliver yeah. ourselves, but we'll be happy to you know donate more meals to help the community.
2: Yeah, that's that's just amazing that like in your in your hardest time that to see you reach out like that. I think that's, that's admirable. And that's why, uh, you know, people latch on to certain businesses that like they, there's something more to them. Right. It's like sure. I like sips for the food, but I feel connected to it in a different way as well. You know?
6: Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're happy to be here for sure.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Sylvia. Um, I really appreciate it.
6: Okay, thank you, Zach. I'll talk to
2: you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, Next up is a spot very close to the pod's heart, Um, and that's the Heartwork Coffee Shop in uh, Mission Hills. And uh, this is co-owned by Rob and uh, his wife and another partner, and uh, Rob Moran of Unbroken People, Hardcore People. And, it's
1: uh, co-owned by Sam of Rod of Correction.
2: Oh, yeah. That, too. Dude. Some uh, some serious some serious bangers going on there. But, uh, yeah, this place rules. Um, you want a cup of coffee, great place to go, great atmosphere. Everyone's a sweetheart. Um, the people that hang out there are all sweethearts. And uh, great, chill neighborhood. It's a great spot to hang out. Um yeah, I mean, what, how I don't know how much praise you can put on a on a coffee place, but uh, all all is pushed onto this.
1: Yeah, and um, yeah, it's it's almost like when you go there, it's it's the hardcore version of Cheers. You know, you're gonna see someone you know and and like, hey, what's up? When you walk in, you know, yeah, and it's if, amazing.
2: Yeah, and if you're a hardcore kid and you come to San Diego and you don't get your Picture next to the the black sheep on the wall around the corner. You're a poser.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're posing hard. If you don't pose with that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got to pose, or you're posing fool. Yeah, and Heartwork uh, also has a delicious signature drink called the Dandy, which is my own signature drink at the yeah. lovely establishment. So, recommend you go in get an ice Dandy. Tell him I sent you. Yeah, man. <laughs> Do that, or just get an Americano.
2: Keep it easy, man.
1: You know? Ooh, you're trying to show the Englishman out the way with an Americano? <laughs> I like it. I like it.
2: Nice and simple. Just give me a espresso and water, man. That's all I want. Um, yeah. But yeah, we love Heartwork, and uh, here is my interview with Kim. All right. On the phone now, I have uh, Kim Moran. from. She's one of the co-owners at Heartwork Coffee in the Mission Hills neighborhood of San Diego. So, Kim, can you give me a quick uh, history of Heartwork?
3: Sure. Um, Heartwork is owned by me and my husband, Rob Aram, and our business partner, Sam's Daughters. Both of them been in a million bands over the years. And uh, we opened five a little over five years ago, and it was really like a passion project for both Rob and Sam. And I sort of tagged along because I'm good at the back end of stuff, the business portion, the boring shit, QuickBooks, social media, etc. And I'm also really not good at having a boss, so the thought of uh, working for myself was very desirable.
2: Yeah. And uh, it's named after a song, right?
3: Yes, from the Carcass Record, but we don't tell like our regular customers that, uh-huh.
2: but yes. Yeah. That we shouldn't put it out for the masses. Oh no, no, it's
3: fine. It's just like our our neighborhood is so interesting. The fact that we open in Mission Hills because it really is like a wealthy, older neighborhood, and there's like you know punks running a business there. We definitely stick out like a sore thumb, but we've really earned like their trust. But there are certain things where we just um, they don't know and they don't need to know. And truly, it was like a labor from our heart. So, we can get away with saying that. But yeah, people who know walk in and then they look around and they're like, wait, is this? (laughs) And we just laugh.
2: Like, yeah. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, in five years, I mean, that's impressive. So, congratulations.
3: It truly is. Thank you. I mean, it was, uh, we did everything ourselves, Uh, we built it out. Um, We haven't really paid anyone to do anything. Maybe it would have been a little bit smarter to do it. Um, But uh, our five year anniversary was a really proud moment for all of us because a small business, um, surviving that long is really rare. And especially for us, like with our punk ethics or whatever, like really doing it our way and surviving and thriving was a huge accomplishment. And then, um, you know, we got hit with all this craziness going on.
2: Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. But, um, what makes hard work stand apart is it's, it's kind of like a, it's a hangout too. Right.
5: Um, True.
3: We really wanted um, to create what we thought was missing in coffee and in San Diego is like there are those places, especially like in punk and hardcore, whatever, like when you're in X city, you eat at this place and you get coffee here or there's a bar here or whatever. And we didn't really feel like that was the void in San Diego was like kind of a gathering place for touring bands and our friends and our community. And, and, you know, to have shows and art shows and stuff like that. And so it's it's a miracle to me that we've been able to pull it off because our shop is so small. But it is so awesome when I'm working and bands are like, oh, yeah, we're passing through and -and so-and-so told us to come here. Just that word of mouth that, like, has happened forever since before the internet. Sure. To create, like, a clubhouse, really, for, like, misfits and, you know.
2: Yeah, and and for all the like the bands that do come through and all the punk and hardcore kids, you have like a like the giant minor threat sheep on one of the walls outside.
3: Right. So yes. It's, it's and like the, it's sort of our smoke signal. Like, okay, you're passing by. If you don't know from the front of our shop and you don't catch the name, like and maybe the sheep will let you know. It's like an inside you know, obviously it's an homage to like everything that brought all of us up. Um but it's sort of just like letting people know like we don't, you know, like we're here as punks, like running a business. So we're hoping that punk and hardcore people will support us too.
2: Yeah, and also the kids, they want to get the Instagram photo next to it.
3: Of, well of course. You of know, course, tag, course, tag, tag yeah. your
2: friends, tag work. Of course. Yeah.
3: Get them hashtags. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. I love it. And, you know, we got we had a troll last year and it was one of my proudest moments. Someone on our Facebook that was like trying to school us on the fact that um Ian wouldn't like that we were profiting off of the image and so I had to take him to school a little bit about <laughs> about who we are and and what we stand for and the fact that it's not on anything that we're making money on it's just literally like an, an inside like smoke signal for people
2: yeah I've never been charged so, to take know. my photo next to it
3: yeah, exactly. Thank you. That's what I said. I was like, we don't charge people to take their picture. We're yeah. not. I mean, it's for us. It's not for anyone else. But, you know, keyboard warriors are so fucking tough.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So this so. how uh, COVID-19 comes and it didn't like hit us overnight. It, it snuck up kind of slowly. But as far mm-hmm. as, as far as how it affected businesses, it did really happen overnight.
3: Well, and I am a mom of someone who has, res- like, major respiratory issues. Rather, my son Andy has horrible asthma. So I was paying attention to it um, just basically since the end of last year because it's just, I mean, it's really freaking scary. And at the shop, you know, uh, as things started to progress where I was feeling like, dang, this is, like, an inevitability – I, you know, I instructed everyone, we just amped up our cleaning and then probably two weeks before it really blew up, um, we stopped using any like, um, ceramics for, for here because the studies at that point showed that the only thing that was really being able to disinfect was super hot water, like dishwasher water. And we are so tiny that we don't have a dishwasher. So we just stopped that. We stopped. Um, like our entire um, where you would put creamer and sugar, we took everything away. Everything was disposable, which really goes against like everything that I love, which right. is reusing and not fucking wasting. But my decision was made super easy for me because I was like, well, if I can keep our employees safe and our community safe, then obviously there's no price that you could put on that. Sure. But um, as things got closer, um, we were in touch with the health department of san diego pretty much daily they were sending us kind of their instructions and i was happy that i had this i was obviously the most alarmed because that's just my personality but rob and sam and i were always two steps ahead of what the health department was requiring so when they were requiring only to those we had already been doing that for a week when they decided there needed to be six feet in between you know The customer and the employees, we had already done, no one was coming inside. There was no tables outside. We had makeshifted like a long table where people could order and still remain socially distant. And then um, as soon as um, Gavin Newsom required all bars and non-essential businesses to close, we closed. And there are some coffee shops that are still open, and I understand that everyone has different business decisions to make and different people to answer to and different ethics and things like that but to us um, if we didn't feel comfortable coming into the shop like I don't feel comfortable because I have a kid that's fragile medically um, I couldn't ask our employees to come into the shop coffee is not that important it is very important but it is not like you can you can exist without it It you don't need your latte You can wait a couple months, or you can order coffee and make coffee at home. Um, I I think it's irresponsible for many businesses to stay open at this time. That's my personal opinion. Obviously, like I said, everyone has their own, you know, their own decisions. But for me, I could not lay my head down at night knowing that our business was making people come out of the house when our governor doesn't want them to. So if, if you need to come out to get groceries or food or whatever, have at it. We don't, we serve pastries. We don't serve food. That is not a meal. So I felt very comfortable being like, you know what? We're not, I'm not going to add to the problem. There's enough issues of people adding to the problem. I want to be, uh, I want to be able to look back and say, wow, we really did the best thing that we could with the information that we had.
5: Yeah. and
3: Because if we lose our business, and I can look back and say, "Wow, well, at least we took it seriously." I will not feel bad. I won't. I mean, of course, my heart will be broken. But like, who could plan for, for this?
2: No, the so. the one in a hundred year pandemic.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and the funny thing was, the health department sent us a message once and was like, "You should enact your pandemic preparedness plan."
2: Man, yeah. Who would Who would have that?
3: No, well, I don't even think the health department did. No, I, I, well,
2: and I not so, Definitely, the federal government didn't.
3: Oh well, well, that's for sure.
2: But uh, yeah. So, how can people help you? Yeah,
3: you your can really help us. Um, our website is up and running. We are shipping um, about once or twice a week, just to make sure that everyone's getting the freshest coffee. Everything is delayed. The post office. Sometimes picks up, sometimes they don't. We're trying to understand and support them. They're working their asses off, and the government is not supporting them either. I'm trying to give as much money to them to save the post office. Um, Our website has all our current offerings. We've got new stuff going up. Um, Right now we have a merch sale. By the time this airs, everything might be sold out, which would be awesome. Um, Buying gift cards that you can use once we reopen would be super awesome. We have a barista relief fund. Through PayPal, if you PayPal rob at com and put um, tip jar or barista, all that money is going to our employees.
2: Cool. And, and the website is?
3: Heartworkcoffeebar.com. Heartwork? And if you like how it looks, <laughs> I made it. <laughs>
2: awesome. H-E-A-R-T-W-O-R-K.
3: H-E-A-R-T-W-O-R-K. C-O-F-F-E-E-B-A-R.com.
2: Heartworkcoffeebar.com. Heartworkcoffeebar.com. And uh, they can find Check you Check out any- our
3: Instagram, yeah. Heartwork Coffee Bar. We, have, we post frequently about different stuff we've got going on. We've got um, some new coffees coming up this week from Mexico. We're doing as best as we can to keep up a mail order. It looks a lot different than it did Before COVID, we are reducing the amount of times we're shipping just to reduce my interaction with the post office. But But if everyone is just patient, it will come and it will be delicious.
2: Yeah, it's it's almost as good as getting it there, right? I mean, the, the, we, we lost a sense of community, but it's gonna it's gonna stave you guys off. It's your uh...
3: yes, if you support us online, we will have a much higher chance of reopening, so we can talk shit to you when you come in, <laughs> recommend some new restaurants, do all the things that we love to do, talk about music, yeah. um, all of that is you know the coffee is incredibly important to us, obviously, but. The community is what drives us. It's what makes us want, you know, you can get coffee anywhere, but there is a level of service that we try to have. And just, um, you know, creating a place that's fun to come get coffee at and fun to meet friends or meet new people. It's, it, that's what, you know, the, my favorite part of the shop is.
2: Yeah, and it's right next door to M Theory, so you can go record shop. Yeah,
3: you can get records, you can get records, you can get coffee. There is no better morning, and on Saturdays we normally have tacos. That's your your weekend starting off right.
2: All right, so let's buckle down, get through this COVID stuff. We're going to support Heartwork. You are going to get yeah, Heartwork Coffee Bar. Yeah, HeartworkCoffeeBar dot com, <laughs> and buy something, and let's let's help these businesses stay in business. So when this opens up, we can return to a world that we enjoy. You know, yes,
3: because if you keep ordering shit on Amazon, Amazon will be the only thing that is open.
2: Yeah, what a what a dystopian nightmare!
3: <laughs>
2: All those I discharge mean, songs are going to be real.
6: Exactly, exactly. It's
3: scary. <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: fuck Jeff Bezos too. Yeah, I just want that on record.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I usually try to support uh, my fellow bald Americans, but he's one I uh, I don't like.
3: Well, you know, he could just make, like, two different decisions and not be evil, and he just won't.
2: Some people are like that, so, huh? They're just wired yeah, like, they're wired the wrong way.
3: But, you know, we're hearing all these stories of small businesses that are doing the right thing. Um, we did as much as we could. We paid our employees two extra weeks. We created a coffee where all of the proceeds went to them. We have a tip jar for them, and then you hear of these business owners that even small business owners that are just much more well-off than we are, that are doing nothing for their employees. They're just like, we'll buy.
2: Well, in, in some businesses that you, you kind of feel like they're righteous, like, like a whole foods, you know, mm-hmm. like they're, you know, like they're kind of on the vegetarian tip and the health tip and all mm-hmm. that. And them asking, mm-hmm. like them asking their employees to like share their sick time, you know, it's no. like
5: come
3: yeah. on
2: people. Mm-mm. And, but you know, mm-hmm. that's an Amazon thing too, I guess. Mm hmm. So, hmm.
3: yeah it'll be interesting i i'm excited to see how much this um like kind of energizes people to fight for what they love and want to support if i'm trying to look on like the bright side i do feel like so many people are a lot more privy to like how fucked up so many things are so if we can kind of take this to mobilize us as a community to like make things better for us and our kids and um I'll take that yeah. you know if we're gonna try to I it's very hard for me to try to find like bright spots in this mostly because I'm stuck inside with an almost four-year-old every day but um <laughs> we gotta just try to this we can't like let this it say in two months everything is quote-unquote back to normal we can't forget like this is, Our our government is fucking us Big business is fucking us and they're not paying. And small business owners are doing the most that they can.
5: Yeah. hundred. So that's agreed. why
3: you got to support your small business owners. If you got your government stimulus check, spend 20 bucks at a place you love, buy a gift card, talk to your barber, see if you can prepay for a haircut, all these things. Like we shouldn't have to be doing them, but we do have a power to change.
2: Yeah. hundred percent agreed Kim. Um, so we're going to go to heartworkcoffeebar.com. We're going to support, hard work and uh, thank you. Zach. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Kim
3: and support the podcast.
2: Hey, don't worry about me because <laughs> now I, I, unfortunately I can't travel around as much now. So yeah, but
3: you could do phone interviews, but they're not so good.
2: huh? They're not as good. And, and uh, so that's really disappointing. I love the face to face interaction. I think it's what I excel mm-hmm. at the most. It's mm-hmm.
3: really,
2: it's really hard to get your rhythm down with someone over the phone. Um, yeah.
3: Because you can't tell when someone's about to talk.
2: Yeah. No. You don't no. see like
3: the breath or whatever.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and there's just a there's a little more, well, I don't know. What's your opinion? Do you think in person is a little more honest because they're in person or do you think that on the phone maybe someone not looking at you face to face is a little more willing to open up?
3: Yeah, so I think there's there's totally two sides to that. To me, I can be I'm a very honest person, so it's easy for me either way, but I do think there's something about an in person meeting where you can kind of get caught up in the fact that like, oh, we're just chatting. Right. You know, like we're just friends, we're shooting the shit or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you have that body those body language cues to understand, like, oh, this person's gonna talk or this person's not really feeling that answer or or maybe they have a different opinion than I do. But I do think there's something about the phone, at least and how old are you, Zach? I'm forty. Okay. So in our era, we, I spent hours on the phone, yeah. like as a kid, oh, yeah. hours just talking. So there's something very special and like reminiscent about my youth that like talking on the phone is. I'm the kind of person that like, I still like to talk on the phone. I'm old. Yeah. Um, not as old as Rob, so that's okay. But um... <laughs> Daniel's going to love that. <laughs> well, he's 47 years old. I mean he looks like he's 27 which is rude he's but a um beautiful man. He is and you know all the rumors are true that he's just the nicest person in the world. Yep. I'm I'm married to him and I can still say that. I mean he pisses me off but that's just marriage. Um Yes, yeah, hairline no, pisses but... me off
2: but
5: whatever.
3: <laughs> you know you can't have everything, okay Pat? True. You can't have it all. True. But um he uh but I love talking on the phone, and I think there's something really special about talking on the phone. I do think that, say you're interviewing someone that's like in their 20s, it would be different yeah. because they didn't really grow up with how we would do it. Sure. I mean, I'm only 36, so I'm a little younger, <laughs> but I we would talk for hours.
5: Yeah, for my mom sure. would
3: like, I mean, I would take the corded phone into like the pantry and talk. <laughs>
2: So That's I awesome. think there's
3: something really special about the phone.
2: Yeah. Some, people I don't like, know. Yeah. Some people like, if they can just settle in and find their comfortable spot, they can kind of yeah. like do that. The late, the late night zone out of being on the phone. Yeah.
6: Yes.
3: Yeah.
2: So,
6: but yeah. I think if you're
3: talking to younger kids, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's so weird right now too. Like just, you're the first like person outside of my family that I've talked to. So that was kind of <laughs> like, Oh, okay. There's another person in this world.
2: So. Yeah, yeah, I'm out there. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm isolating the best I can. So
3: good. Are you working?
2: Uh, no, we, we had to shut down. So
3: yeah. are you going to pay?
2: Well, I, I'm a business owner.
3: Oh, um, oh, well, so then you're fucked rest. Like
2: <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not fun. We're, we, the, you know, the more service industry stuff is, is what I worry about the most. I, I just wanted to focus on basically you guys sips pokies, yeah. Right. Yeah, like stuff like that. That the like it would be a real travesty if we came out of this and they weren't around.
3: Yeah. So well thank you.
2: Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate your it, time, Kim
3: Of course, Zach. I hope we get to hang out um sometime this year.
2: <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. I, I'm definitely missing people.
3: So. Yeah. Are you and I and I know that when you interviewed Rob he said you were gonna do a part two.
2: Yeah, we gotta do that too. Rob mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got to go into the uh, all the over my, over my Dead Body stuff so he can uh, roast Daniel.
3: Oh, yeah. My favorite topic.
2: <laughs> that's my favorite topic, too. <laughs> the,
3: the Daniel roasting. But if Daniel has a number of stories on Rob that he should share, too, so it's a fair fight.
2: Well, he, he did have that great one about Rob unknowingly heckling Ian McKay.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so, legendary. Yeah. Next time you talk to Daniel, ask him about Swamp Thing.
2: Okay, I will.
3: It's
2: my favorite
3: story. Awesome. (laughs) All right, Zach, take care, okay?
2: Okay, thanks so much, Kim. Thank
3: you so, so, so much.
2: Of course. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. um, Next up, I wanted to get a record store in here. Um, First off, Google uh, Reanimated Records in San Diego. Um, They're very punk and hardcore friendly, and uh, they're in La Mesa. See what's going on on their Instagram and so forth. And uh M Theory, uh, which is right around the corner from uh Heartwork and then also uh Record City in Hillcrest. These are all record stores that I like and support and uh try to go to a fair amount. But this is probably my favorite store in San Diego County. It is Standards Records. It is located in Vista and uh interview Colin and, and Daniel, you've you've been away for a long time and and when you come back, you don't have a car, and you're kind of you're kind of in San Diego proper. Have you ever made it up to Standards?
1: Yeah, so like maybe every two to three times. Like now, a bit longer than that, actually. Sometimes I'm not there that long, but every time I have the chance, uh, Modern Mike and myself will make a trip out to Standards, and every single time, no disappointments. In fact, absolute excitement because it is a record store done. In, by someone who loves records, and um, it shows. Um, the thing that makes it like so awesome is that the price—it's priced to move. Like all the records are priced for people to buy them. They're not priced to just sit there and be on the wall. And you know, he, he's very reasonable. It's very awesome. And um, you know, can I just say something to everyone who's listening right now? I don't want to see you go into a record store and look at a price of a record and then pull it up on your phone on Discogs and think, oh, no, it's like $8 cheaper on Discogs. Fuck you. If you like a place to go to browse and look for records, support record shops and buy them at the price they're selling them and don't be on your phone looking up prices of things because you're a dickhead if you do.
2: Well and also the other thing is if you do discogs like you know, you gotta pay shipping. You don't get to go home and listen to it. So you don't get to have like that excitement of like, Oh, I just got this record, I'm gonna go I'm gonna run home and listen to it. You know, yeah. and that's 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 a giant part of it. You know, and and, well, but, and to save a dollar or two is is stupid,
1: you know. Yeah. I mean even if it's twenty dollars cheaper on Discogs. Fucking support a record store, man. Well, you don't. You also
2: don't know like of the condition of stuff, right? Yeah. Like they oh, rate. Yeah, they, ra- they rate it, but you know, everyone rates everything very good, plus, which like could be like from from being pretty pristine to being almost shit.
1: My boss just bought two really old, like classic punk records that he's been. He's got like probably the most insane record collection out there. He bought these two old punk records that were regard like. Rated as <laughs> very good plus and near mint, and they look like they've been through a wood chipper. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the, the person writes back, it is near mint for
2: 1981. Oh. So just, <laughs> Wait, just, just no, know, you might save five <laughs> bucks, but that's, that's what you get. You know, yeah. so, so yeah, support uh, record stores. And also, Dan, I, it was funny you bring that up though, because I'm self conscious of that, but like, so if I'm in a record store, I have my whole record list, like, in a Google Docs. So yeah. a lot of times I'll come across something and I'm like, do I already have that? Do I have, do this? I have this one? Yeah, exactly. And so I have to pull out my phone and look at my list. And I always wonder if, like, the clerk's look at me is like, you Discogs-ass motherfucker.
4: Well, do you know what I do now? Is
1: I have started putting all my stuff on Discogs, like, just in my collection, not to sell. But put my stuff on Discogs so I know what I have. Mm-hmm. and i actually make an announcement like a fucking nerd but like you know if it's a one clerk situation in a small record store i'm like hey i'm pulling out my phone to look to see if i have this already not to see if it's cheaper on the internet i just want you to know yeah. and they're like okay man calm down yeah. uh, who who
2: asked you fool <laughs> yeah but yeah so anyway um support support your local uh record store and uh yeah here's my interview with uh, Colin from Standards. All right, everyone. Got Colin from Standards Records in uh, Vista, California. Probably the best uh record store in San Diego proper. Neck and neck with reanimated, we can say, right, Colin?
4: For sure.
2: Little unity. No, I guess it's not for me to
4: say though.
2: I'm buying. <laughs> that's true, that's true. But uh if you're closer to San Diego proper, you can go to Reanimated. And if you're in the northern county, uh standards and Vista is awesome and uh it's somewhere that I try to to make the road trip up to. Not a road trip. It's forty five minutes. Um, you know, once a month or so. How often do I see you, Colin? Once every six weeks.
4: Something like that. I don't. Know. I'm, I'm sure that a cycle.
2: Yeah, I, I love it. It's it's nice to take that little drive up and, uh, you know, see the water along the way up the five, and uh, then go shop for records, man. So it's it's nothing better to do on a Saturday afternoon.
4: We are conveniently located in the middle of nowhere, so. We have
2: that. <laughs> yeah the drive there's nice the the last five minutes of the drive not the best but uh but yeah so uh colin what's what's the history of standards how long have you guys been around
4: uh we started in 2012 and um if my math serves me correct
2: that'll be being
4: in 2020 now that's eight years
2: yeah man that's super impressive and uh and what what stands out about standards what what type of music do you mostly sell
4: Um, It's a little bit of everything. Honestly, I think it's like the common, um, I think, accepted uh, ideas that it's like a punk store or something, which I don't really know what that even means, really. But I mean, I think ultimately we acknowledge hardcore and punk as existing, whereas I think a lot of stores would love it if, you know, it just didn't and they didn't have to bother with music like that. But yeah, I carry punk and I carry metal and I also carry, you know, all the dad rock and the, you know, floppy hat, indie rock music and, you know, uh un- underground hip-hop and old funk music and everything everything in between, but I think the fact that you know, there are hardcore and metal records in the store, like, oh yeah, they, they have that, so yeah, we do have that uh, but we also have other music. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, uh, I, think, I, like to, I like to say we specialize in good records, but, you know. Yeah, that's that's that,
2: I think that's fair, like you you're a music fan so you know how to curate yeah. stuff, like you know when you when you started curating like the reggae section, like you went for it, and it, it's one of the best reggae sections. It's probably the best reggae section in all of San Diego.
4: It used to be it used to be better when um, my there was better reggae distributors open. One of my big distributors closed, and every store I talked to were all lamenting that there's not really a great place to get that. That it used to have a really interesting um, economy, I guess. E- even I would say more so than like you know, punk music with like all the DIY ethics and like low price records. I think all that stuff has kind of been fully trickling the way, but like the reggae world was just like cheap, dirt cheap records. You could get some of the best, you know, rec- records in the genre for under $15, you know, and that's like about wholesale price of what like a lot of major indies are charging right now. But um, yeah, it used to be a really interesting uh, section to, Stock and like, unfortunately, with that music, like the used albums, like they don't exist usually. It's like they'll go through someone's classic rock collection, and they'll have like one Peter Tosh record, you know. So you can't really count on like coming into great records used consistently. But lately, I think they've that whole world has been hit in the same way as everything else, which is just really exorbitant costs on uh, reissues and kind of smaller numbers and whatnot, which is, you know, like I said, that is, that's affecting everyone. But they were one of those, they were one of the last like you know basic reissues on green sleeves or whatever those were like some of the last holdouts of like very reasonably priced uh albums for that and like really high quality of music and high quality of pressing so you actually put an iota of effort into getting the records uh sounding good whereas like you know your basic major label reissue would be you know 30 dollars and be sourced from a cd but that's uh that, that's my side rant um but yeah, uh, I, I'm
2: trying over here. We're trying. Yeah, I, I just think it's a great rant, and it kind of sums up why standards is so good. It's like if there's a good ass genre of music, you're going to figure out a way to curate it the best you can. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Exactly.
2: Okay. So I would hope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm vouching for it. Um, All right. So COVID comes, COVID nineteen, uh-huh. and and um, you know it kind of crept up, but it definitely hit businesses pretty quickly. So yeah. how did it affect you?
4: I mean, I guess I was like, I, and I don't know, I, I like I, I have not had someone not in the store uh, since we started. Like I don't, I want to kind of keep my sea legs up, so to speak. Uh, and um, like I have, I've been pretty much sticking to my regular schedule working actually a lot more. And um, so I'm still in the shop as, as much as I often, as I always have been, more so actually. Um, I had to cut Dylan's hours a little. I'm giving him some. He's the only other employee I got, and he's, you know, working um, half shifts to, like, you know, essentially no customers, but figuring out, you know, things to organize and help keep the shop up for when uh, everyone comes back. And so, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to be in a position to where I'm not, uh, you know, I don't live with uh, old folks or, you know, have young children or anything. anyone who's, like, in the, in the danger zone. Uh, everyone I live with is grown, healthy people, so it's like uh, it's a nice position to be in. To where, you know, I don't. I guess there's a little bit of guilt, but you know, I, I don't. I can go out and get some work done. The problem isn't so much the work; it's the compensation for the work. Because you know, legally, I am closed, and like I've had when I didn't look as closed, I've had like city people come by and say, "Hey, he closed you," and uh, there's like it's crazy. They sent, they hand out a notice that has like. You know, hey, you know, stay closed. If you're not closed, you could go to jail, or we can give you a fine. And I mean, the city ordinance people in general, they just like the big dick, you know. So it's like, yeah, I'm sure people are going to go to. I'm sure if a fucking hair salon, you know, cuts yeah. some hair right now, they're going to go to jail, right? Yeah. But I mean, and I don't know what this premise is. Like, oh, we're going to fine you. Like, okay, fine a business that has to stay closed for X amount of months. You know, like where's that money going to come from? You fucking, Anyway, Right. So yeah, I think there's there are so there are real like threats in terms of like they actually don't be open. So it's been, but at the so in terms of the how the business model normally is, which is hey, walk on in, see what we got, have a good time, whatever. Now it's like. I don't know. It's almost like a speakeasy kind of thing. If you're a regular enough, it's like, Hey, let me come in and look today. It's like, all right. Yeah, I got some records, whatever, you know? So there's like work around kind of, and that's sort of what's been getting me by. It's also like, you know, listening and here's the, the other side of the equation. Like I could have, you know, just work overtime and have everything listed on Discogs tomorrow and make a bunch of sales and have a bunch of money. But then when the door is open, I don't have a store because all my stock has been sold to fucking people across the country or in a different part of the world. Right. So it's like, I don't, I don't want to sell too much online or shift too much into that. But I also can't, you know, be like, Hey, come on in and let's fucking party like I normally can. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I'm still trying to like, like I said, keep in the routine i don't want to just like it and, and obviously like there's no such thing as a routine right now everyone's kind of fucked but um i i'm still putting in still putting an hour still putting in work still able to not pay my employees as much as i would like to but something you know and thankfully like uh yeah people i've been doing like instagram live streams where we're hawking all the records that we're coming up on uh over the week and um yeah, do, you know, shifting some stuff that's been sitting in the store for a while online, like tidying up, I guess you could say. So there's some income coming, but I, it's like legitimately like twice the work for about a tenth of the regular income. So like, I don't know, like I said, I always, you, know, you always have to be like, well, there's you know, there are places where you just can't. I mean, I, my, my roommate, uh, he cuts hair, you know, and he's like, he's he's out. You know, you know, there's yeah. no work around yeah, that, yeah, You know, yeah. And I mean, I guess there's whatever. Some, I'm sure there's like some underground black market harbor network. And actually, that's great. So, this is a side note, you know, you can we we got we, we can edit this out if it doesn't fit in. But um, there's in Camp Pendleton up here. There, like, there's a lot of cases of Marines who have the 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 the, the Ronis. You know, they, they got the they got the COVID. Sure. And they're still like doing like they still I I don't. I mean, I'm, I don't know, I'm not a Marine, I don't uh, have, so I don't know, but I think they still have the same regulations, which is you got to have your side shaved, you got to have the hair on the top. So it's not like you can just, you can't run around with a buzz cut, it's like, you know. So if you're, so there's still like barber shopping being done <laughs> in, in this place where everyone lives together and there's a lot of cases of this uh, plague coming through. So it's like, even if you really wanted to get in there and like, just get your hands dirty It's like no There's actually Kind of a danger In that world You're also You know I don't know I kind of like I guess In general You're all If you're getting If you're the one Getting shit on You're always going to be Like fighting for you you're like hey Fuck you Well let me Let me work Let me do what I want to do Let me do what I want to do That's kind of always The default mode right Yeah And right now I really want to sell Records to people So obviously I'm on the side of Let me sell some Fucking records to people Sure That being said I think if you were to you know, uh, I, I think having a, you know, what however however many people come in here a day, which isn't that many realistically. I think if I had sign spinners and fireworks and pool noodle guys, I don't think I'm bringing in as many people in a day as are in Trader Joe's right now. Sure. You know, it's a specialty fucking market. So of course I'm looking at it it's like, all right, is this really a fucking hot bed for fucking outbreaks? You know, if I just open the doors here, given the amount of people that are going to come in here, a barber a tattoo artist if you're you know a beautician of some sort you are really just on a person you know yeah that fucking sucks and there's really i don't know any work around or you know you can't give a fucking haircut over uh instagram or anything like that so thankfully like i said it's very nice to be able to do mail order and you know have set records aside for people for local pickup and things of that nature so well, to bring in that one tenth of income like i said it's twice the work for one tenth the of income at least i got the tenth you know yeah. there's at least that that's kind of that's nice to some extent but it's not sustainable by any fucking means like give me it's not we're not in dire straits over here you know like i can tough it out for a while longer but like ah this whole but i'm in such a specialty area and my business model is so unique in the sense that like you know i'm not selling milk nothing's going expired you know i don't have a bunch of Equipment I'm leasing out that I have to make payments on. You know, like what's in here is what's in here, and I can sell it in other ways. That's all well and good. But like, I don't know what the fuck the idea is with every with a lot of other businesses where it's like, yeah, shut down for fucking two months, like, and then what? <laughs> you right, know,
2: right? Yeah, no, I know it's terrifying, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure the liquor store across the street from you is open, right?
4: They are, and I'll and actually they're like, you know. That's the other side of things. It's like, because they are like wide open and they are, you know, in the world of vice, you know, selling yeah. selling booze and cigarettes and whatnot. So it's like, but they're hurting, man. They're like, dude, this is not, this is fucked. Like the poor guy over there to like cancel his cable and he's just like, I, we're not, we're not doing it. You know, I get like a customer every half hour. And that's like a den of vice. You know, that's like a place that you would think would be doing well for that right now. And so even, but they're getting exactly. the overflow.
2: They're getting the overflow from all your businesses being open, because a liquor store yeah, is always exactly. like not the best spot to buy stuff. It's always more expensive than if you go to the market. But now, if people right. are leaving the house once a week, they can just buy everything at Vons.
4: Exactly. So, like, so even I guess what I guess I'm saying is, even if the doors were wide open, it's like I don't know how many people are out in the mood to go fucking dig around and dirty ass record. So maybe the legality of the store being closed isn't as impactful as just the general situation Um, (sighs) so there are still people that want to shop you know there are still people that want to come out like people are definitely losing their fucking minds and I think like I said because it's not really a bustling place it's not a fucking Walmart no record store is, other than maybe Amoeba I guess but like because it's kind of a I don't know very low stress low crowd low people environment like people do want to come out you know for sure. sure. And you can you can sense it, you know, like, it's like it's it's very cool and very I'm very appreciative of people who are, like, DMing, like, hey, do you got this? Hey, do you got that? Can I get this? Like, they're going through so much work to order, you know, real basic records that would probably be sitting around for weeks, you know, not, like, crazy high-end shit. It's like, let me get that Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, man, you can sure. tack on $4 for shipping up and out. Okay, cool. They're, like, putting in the effort to do that, and it's, like, very cool. Makes me feel very appreciative but again it's also an indicator that motherfuckers are pent up and want to go outside of their goddamn house and spend some coin on some stuff
5: yeah you know yeah
4: and so i don't know hopefully sooner than later on that we can i mean it's a fit it's really i i don't know if, if this is rambling or whatever but the whole system of like retail you hear it a lot right Oh, retail's dying, retail's dead, the malls are closing, blah, blah, blah. Everyone wants Amazon, drones are delivering shit. Cool. Like, I understand that. And obviously, there's a lot of statistics to back that up in certain areas. But, like, we've invented the system, you know, like humans. <laughs> this wasn't like some other species came down and said, hey, you guys have to go to malls to buy shit. Right. No, we came up with this and we sustain it because I think we really like it. You know, I really like it. I'm fucking... I, if that goddamn Nike outlet opens up, I'm going to be on the fuck. It's going to look like that scene in Shawshank Redemption where the guy's like got his arms up and the rain's pouring down on him. I'm going to be fucking praying to Mecca when that shit opens up again. I'm so goddamn desperate. Just go in and look at shit. I just like looking at shit in stores. Fucking sue me, you know? Like, I don't know why I do. I'm sure like, like, you know, a lot of people know just go online and shop online for everything and, you know, whatever. You do that too. But it's like, People like retail. They like going to fucking stores. And now you can't go into any fucking stores. Maybe we're kind of realizing, hey, we like these goddamn places. Yeah. We like going to, we like these non-essential businesses. So, you know, um, I think a, a lot of what this, the thrust of this pandemic is, is people kind of going against their nature. You know, like, hey, don't, I mean, yeah, just look at what they do to prisoners. Like, hey, you're in fucking social, what is it, I, uh, solitary, right?
2: Right. You go crazy.
4: And now we're all in fucking solitary. Like, it's yeah, so funny. Yeah. It's, like, it's
2: And they're like, oh no, I, t- toss me on a general population where uh, there's a 99% more chance I'll get stabbed. I'd rather be there than alone.
4: Yeah, you'd rather, you'd rather, and that, that's what the worst of the fucking worst of what our species have to offer. And now, it's like we're taking, it's like we're going against their nature. Not going, sorry, like whatever you can want to say about retail, like I said, the fact that it exists is kind of proof that people like it. And if we're telling people not to do things that they like to do, particularly when it's something as harmless as, you know, going to the fucking mall, you know, not, it's not, you know, you get into like doing, you know, hard drugs and prostitution and stuff. It's kind of a gray area. Maybe, maybe there does need to be some uh, push against that. You can understand it, but like going to the fucking mall, like we're kind of in agreement. like, sorry, there's a segment of the population that really likes it. And I think, Asking that segment to just stay cooped up and fucking play Animal Crossing—it's just what they're they're going to snap. We're losing our fucking minds. We could, well, I think we could do it
2: for a while. That's why that's we why could, you hope that you know California's done a pretty good job of buckling down. We got to hope that we can pull out of this quicker than other people that aren't taking it seriously.
4: Yeah, you and know. that's the other thing is it's like you know just any any law that sweeps across California is kind of crazy because it's like San Francisco is not. Fresno is not downtown LA, is not Bakersfield. Like, every, like, these are very, very, very different cities and urban settings. And putting the same restrictions on, you know, Visalia or Victorville, which are like kind of rural areas, or like, you know, sub- whatever you want to call that gross, like suburban sprawl kind of area. Putting the same regulations on that as you do in downtown Los Angeles, which is just a condensed, and Packing of life, or in San Francisco, when it's like dense life packed vertically. Like, sorry, Fallbrook doesn't need to be under the same regulations in terms of you know the spreading of plague as sure, the mission district in sure, San
2: Francisco. But but there's so you much know. there's so much movement. So like you right. can't you can't just have San Francisco do something because there's so much movement between them and Oakland, right? So you, right. you would have to like okay, well these two make sense together, and then like who's deciding that? then that has to come from like the state level. Otherwise like what sort of authority would like they have to call and be like, all right, you and me, dude, we're coming up with like this law, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, look, that's why we're not in politics and we're not trying to be cops.
4: Right. (laughs) Right.
2: You know, Yeah. leave it to someone else. It's just, it's a fucked up situation and it's like, you know, a plague they say happens every hundred years or some shit. So yeah. un- unfortunately, you know, when most humans live like what, 80 years, you know, yeah, we, we just, know, it, it times, just, right. it just hit us in the prime of our life. You know, like I'm halfway through yeah. that. Like, I don't want to, yeah, so I don't want to be locked up when I'm 40. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It's a very, uh, I don't know. It's, like I wish it, it happened I'm, when I was
2: three and I want to stay at home. I can't Yeah, and I, I don't
4: know. I, I guess it's just like, I I, I'm like. everything that pops up now i'm just like oh yeah i've seen this before like oh it's like and everyone was like oh the alt-right is coming up like oh it's kind of like the militias in the 90s okay yeah i've seen that before you know whatever they try to pitch is new or like whatever attitudes are changing it's like oh yeah i've seen shades of this in other areas you know and you can like you know uh uh, a donald trump or something that's not new. that's always been that that's always been around and so it's but when something like this, kind of like, okay, this is fucking new. I, Disneyland, yeah. When they stick it in the fucking pockets of the rich white guys, when those guys, bottom yeah, yeah. line gets affected, it's like, okay, fuck, what's going on here then? That's some different shit. That's a fucking bottom line. Here. Oh, this is fucking really, this is some new shit. A lot of other shit, not so new. Oh, VR. Yeah, we've kind of had that around. It's been around. That's not blowing my mind. Movies are in 3D. Yeah, we've seen that you can't fucking. You gotta wear a face mask if you want to fucking go to Seven like, Eleven. Ah, that's that's new. That's some new shit. <laughs> I know it's literally some
2: shit I couldn't picture like a few weeks ago.
4: You know. Yeah, and, just, and like, now it's
2: the reality. Like they won't let you into the supermarket without one.
4: I, yeah, it's a, uh, and I don't. I, I'm not even like. It's like not something. It's really silly to be like a tough guy about it. you know. That's the last thing I want to come out of. like fuck you. I'm not afraid of. this. I mean, I'm not really afraid of the virus. I don't. But whatever it's uh i'm not it's not like it's not like oh i did more push-ups than you so now i'm not you know immune to this fight. no you're just i don't have any of those conditions i'm not in the you know target demographic that has the problems or anything like that and if i was my attitude would be very different of course so like you know i don't want to come off as like i don't know yeah well, this is fucking all a hoax or whatever it's like i get it take the product i wear the fucking mask you want to be a member of polite society and everything like that but it's like, yeah, there's the a fucking pivot. I uh, see. I don't know. It's yeah. a bit. It's a bit much.
2: Well, I want to get back uh, to those, buying punk and hardcore records, dude. Yeah, so.
4: yeah, it would it would be nice. Um, I guess, yeah. I, 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 again, the, one of the challenges of this whole thing is kind of finding that balance between because my stuff has never really been online, so I'd love to be like, yeah, go to my website, and just order all the records that are available there, because there's nothing like my inventory is nowhere to be seen. Um, but uh, yeah, if you anyone wants to like support the shop in the downtime it's all kind of all we got right now uh is like social media shit so if you want to smash the follow at the instagram standards record store um like i said we kind of hit put some stock that we get like on there and i'm you know got nothing to do right now but bounce around and be like yeah i'll go get that for you we can do mail order you can do a little pickup whatever is clever um but yeah the instagram is pretty much how i've been doing um whatever version of business yeah, and
2: you do like the, you'll do like a virtual flip through, right? So you can kind of feel yeah. like you're flipping through records.
4: Right, right. Yeah. And it's like, it, so one, unlike, all right, so one challenge that I wouldn't have anticipated is just how difficult it's been to find, like, to get records in. Normally, it's really easy to put up stuff on social media. It's like, hey, I got a, just bought a big bunch of XYZ kind of records. Here's what I got right now. Come on in and check it out. And that's kind of usually how I handle social media stuff. Where at, but, the the big collections and stuff are not coming in right now, which is kinda odd. I would have thought it'd be the other way around I thought people would be, you know, having their bills and not being out of work and selling the record. That's usually how it works in hard times. But this is I think because this is so something else, it's almost like a order mentality that's cooking in, you know, so people aren't really giving up their records. Thus I don't really have a whole lot of stuff to put up. So that's what's kind of um front like that's what's a bummer to me. I, I hate being like Hey guys, check it out! I got a fucking uh, Paul McCartney record. Like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I, yeah, know, I know yeah. what cool shit to put on, what cool shit to put on Instagram, and what isn't. And lately, I just haven't had a whole lot of cool shit to put on there. So we're we're trying something. I've been bringing in some records from my personal stash just to kind of spice things up a little bit. So, um, dude, yeah, I think you, you the, can
2: uh, uh, you can finally sell that uh, Fury of Five record that I sold you 13, 14 years ago. This well, signed that's by enough. James is mean.
4: That's gotta stay. That's gotta stay in the collection. You can't give that. that. <laughs> you gotta hold on to your grails. I do. I think. I, really, I, I did come. I did come. Was like going through for like. what I did have the One Life Crew, Crime Ridden Society. I still have that one on green. That goes for like a shitload of money now. Yeah. I was like, but I was just like, ah, nah, it's not streaming anywhere. And like, there's like certain aspects of that record that are just like too good to give up and it's like that's kind of weird i got like, it on, i got it on things,
2: green too and people you know. yeah of
4: all, of all the things to like hold on to and give up I'm like oh yeah it's your record i can get it again it's fucking whatever some death metal record i could just buy it again on discogs whatever it's like oh this, this one life that's gotta gotta hold on to that guy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, shit you, the shit you can part with and the shit you can't it's always funny when you find yourself in that position right
2: yeah so standards record store on instagram and yeah. uh, people are gonna, they're gonna follow you. They're gonna reach out to you, and yeah, uh, yeah, and you'll come up with some stuff. And, I mean, uh, here's
4: the, I think the bottom line for me, like you know, whatever sales I make or whatever sales I make, obviously that's appreciated. But here's the thing, and this is something that I was actually talking to my, my two artist friend who's obviously out of work right now. And He's like, people have short fucking memories. People have short fucking attention spans, and once you lose them, they're lost. And all we're doing, right, any, any business when society is functioning, is like get their attention. Uh, it's the fucking corniest shit in the world, but build your brand. You know, like sure. the actual fucking dollar I get from you is not important, but the fact that you know of me and that you know of me as a place of you know good with a good reputation, that matters. Great. So it's like even if it's not like financially, like like I said, I don't have a whole lot coming in, so I know I understand that I don't have a whole lot of inventory to be sold. But it's like well, let me stay on people's money. When shit gets opened up, I want to be hit the ground running. You know that's the that's that's the goal for me. I don't want to be like, fuck. I've been you know playing fucking Nintendo for for, for two months. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Like, no, nah, I want to be a well-oiled machine. I want to be on people's minds, and that's uh, that's what I can hope for out of all this. Is that uh, yeah? That we're just we're still in uh, we still we're still in game zones. So we're still at our fighting weight, so to speak. Yeah. So yeah, just, uh, just uh, uh, don't you forget about me. You know that kind of that, that kind of situation. That's 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 uh, but on my mind. So, yeah, please, everyone, smash uh, that follow, hit that notification bell. I don't know if there's a notification bell on Instagram. i just talking shit at this point. Uh, but, yeah, that's, a, that's probably the best way to go.
2: Yeah, man. It's going to be one of my first trips when this thing opens up. I can't wait to get I back up it. there.
4: I Hopefully, I won't be here. Hopefully, I'll be at the fucking outlets at the mall. Oh, that's right. That's right.
2: But uh, <laughs> Crying. But I got no problem buying records from your buddy.
4: So, yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> oh, so, uh,
2: yeah, man. All right, Colin. Well, thanks so much for your oh, time.
4: Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
2: All right. You have a great day.
4: Take care. Bye-bye.
2: Beep. All right. Um, Daniel, thanks for helping me out with this one. I really appreciate it. And, no problem.
1: Uh, one thing i got to say about standards real quick that I forgot to say as we were leaving to talk about it. If you see that they have something good and they post it on their uh, Instagram, go get it right away because they're thirsty around there or hungry around there. I can't remember what he said. But I hit him up like, Hey, do you still have that record? Like and it was like twenty minutes after he posted. He goes, No nah, man, they're hungry around here <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah. D- don't 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 send him a message saying, Can you hold that for me? Yeah. <laughs> you know? But uh but yeah, I think that uh I've enjoyed doing this pod and uh I learned something about all these businesses and just talking to the the owners behind them made me like them and want to support them even more. So I would ask that if you live in San Diego or the area that you support these businesses and any business that means something to you, um, you know, I'm not choosing a list of, of what you should support. I'm saying that these are businesses that mean something to me and I hope that people support them, but you need to support the businesses that you love and care about. And, and if you're not from here, of course, no matter where you're from, think about that. Um, you know, try to support, try to help people out. Um, try to be there for your friends a lot of people are are lonely right now. A lot of people are struggling. Um, a lot of people are having financial hardships. Just try to try to be the best person you can and uh, you know and, and be there for people and and small acts of kindness go a long way and they make you feel better. Have you ever been a dick to someone and felt good about it like a couple hours later? You know it's just it's better to be kind. So uh spread that spread that love around right now. Um, Daniel I'll let Yeah you
1: know. I, I think this is really cool that you did this, and I think it's really cool that people will care to listen to it and act upon it because there are good people out there, and especially good people that listen to this. And I think it was really cool of Drew to come on and, and talk about what it actually is to have had what we're all scared of getting right now. Agreed. You know. Agreed.
2: Yeah, I mean that gave a lot of perspective and so I hope that uh people enjoy that and uh and hopefully it you know you learn something from it and and it was I, I think it's brave for him to come on and and talk about this stuff. Like he did a really really good job. And everyone coming on here. I I know that the you know this is a weird medium to get used to but uh I appreciate all the the help and support.
1: Yeah, Well, respect to you and respect to all small business owners out there that are struggling through this. Uh, Hopefully, everyone comes out on the other side ready to to win, win, win. Yeah, respect to you, Daniel. And also, uh,
2: can you give out the URL of the the place that you work as well, Daniel?
1: Super7.com. The thing that's been really cool about this is uh, our physical retail division that I head up Um, we have some hourly employees and stuff and they've completely been displaced to not be able to work. But the great thing is we're owned by a punk guy named Brian and he is paying everybody's what they would normally get on an hourly, uh, check each paycheck, even though they're not able to work. And I, I'm very proud to be associated with this company.
2: Cool. All right, guys, uh, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Take it out, Daniel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to catch you on a fucking phone in a record store or your fucking Dead. dead.